Hello and welcome to Cage Fighting. It's your main man, Andy Gillard here. Hope everyone's doing well in the world right now. Hello everybody, Matt Guy here. Hope everybody's enjoying the nicer warm weather. Wagwan. Now we can say that again. Hello everyone. Were we not allowed to say Wagwan? Well, when was the last time it was said other than Moon Knight two weeks ago? Uh, fair point, yeah. It's uh, It's gone the way of the dodo a little bit, hasn't it, that one? It's a bit like the uh, what's up and all that kind of bollocks from the, from the early <laughs> late nineties. So, if 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 Marvel are bringing Wagwan back, then who knows what's what's next? That's fair. That is fair. Uh, have you had a good Easter weekend, gents? It's been all right. It's been nice weather. Um, I haven't indulged in lots of chocolate, but I had a Sunday dinner today that would be used as a method of torture to Ethiopian kids because it was so huge. I, I, like, I couldn't eat it all. It was just, it was ridiculous. It was tasty as hell. Um, and I know, Stu, in the recess of your mind, you're going, well, how can you have a nice veggie Sunday dinner? Well, let me tell you, my friend, you can. It was really, it was really, really tasty. It was very good. It didn't, I didn't actually have that thought cross my mind. It looked like a normal dinner. It looked like something you'd get, like, Christmas or Thanksgiving for our American friends. Um, that's what it looked like. It didn't look veggie at all. So it, was, it, it was one of three event dinners in my wife's family's household. Easter, Christmas, and New Year is an event dinner. Event dinner means there'll be more than one type of stuffing and or more than one type of meat. Um, or in my case, veggie alternative. I didn't realise there was more than one kind of stuff in any way, to be honest. Oh, like, mate. Wh- why do yeah, you need playing... more than one kind? We're not playing games here, pal. Yeah, even I know that. It just seems needless. What was the <laughs> the um, the meat substitute then, if not? So I had, co- I had corn sausages wrapped in Richmond bacon as my okay. pins in blankets. And then I had, the brand is called This Isn't. So it's This Isn't Chicken Pieces. So I had that as my secondary meat. Well, that was my first meat. This is never uh, And then I had it with so much bread sauce on it, it looked like my plate was covered in essentially snow. There was that much bread sauce all over my food, which I absolutely love. Oh, getting hungry thinking about it. <laughs> Stu, have you eaten the, a horse today? What, what's your... Easter weekend trace. I just did nothing at all. <laughs> I, it, there was no no event dinners on Easter for me, and because mom was busy, so you know, I'm not going to do a, a, a Sunday dinner, am I? Let's be honest. So, um, <laughs> so I had a, I had a sweet a chili chicken pizza instead. Um, that, that sounds better to me, to be honest. A, a Never one for a roast dinner. Oh, of course not. Um, if if. If I'm at mum's on a Sunday, I, I'd fully expect to roast dinner, otherwise there's no point going. It's the, it's the rules, rules of the game. <laughs> um, but there's no way on earth I'm even going to attempt that. It just Why Why would you? Too much fuss. So, Can you cook, Stu? You I strike me as someone who we we would laugh at, say, oh, he, can, he can't cook, but I bet you can cook. I can, I, I can if I, I, don't, I don't enjoy cooking. It's not, okay, it's, it's not a, it's mm. not a passion. I'll, I'll do it to live, but I'll do it with flair, <laughs> of course. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it's one of the things. Depends on lazy. I mean, in today putting a wacky the pizza on at half time in the FA Cup semi final, 
ideal. Not going to be standing in the kitchen pissing about when there's football to watch. So, yeah, that, that was the uh, that was the way of the day. I mean, I, I had a chocolate bunny, so uh, that was as far as I went with the old Easter situation. So, yeah, it was relatively calm. Short weather, obviously. Obviously, Ooh, yeah. it's fucking red hot out there. To be fair. Oh, right, anyway, let's get some filmy stuff going. Uh, we'll start off with some news. It's been a while since we've done one of these, so quickly touch on the Oscars. Easy one first off. Coda was the big winner. Was it a worthy winner? Are you happy with it? There seems to have been a little bit of a backlash against it, but it feels unnecessary because it's not the the big shiny film, maybe, is why. Stu, um, I know you've seen Coda, haven't you? So what are your immediate thoughts on that one? Um, I was amazed, really. Mm. I mean, I, I, watched, I watched it first, I think, out of all of us, and last year, and I don't... Because I even went back to just double-check if I'd even mentioned it on the question cast that we did straight after I watched it, and I don't think I even did. Mm. It was just like one of them things. Oh, that was nice. That was a nice, heartwarming film with some obviously great performances in it. But I didn't think it, it stood out as the best film of the year. Not when you had Pig and I mean, Sound of Metal was better than, as a deaf film than Coda was for me. But mm. it's nice in a way that I mean, oh, we, me especially, slagged that event off for being so wanky and up its own arse all the time. <laughs> that mm. it actually gives a feel-good, nice film an award and recognition for, where you really wouldn't get that otherwise. And it wasn't one of them where, okay, yeah, it's a deaf film. It's portraying something that's a bit niche and whatever. Yeah, it obviously is a bit niche, but it's not doing it for the sake of it. It's integral to the story. And it just... It was a really, really just nice film. And what my... um. One of my Twitter friends pointed out to me when he watched that um, fan cast episode on um, the D- Danny Dyer Spectacular Football Factory with mm. uh, our friend Nate, how the uh, the dad looks very much like Nate, if just a bit older. <laughs> so I had yeah, to go, I, does, I had to yeah. go back and uh, capture a, a still image of, of that and send it to him the other day. So yeah, not amazed that it won because I thought there were better films that qualified for it, but I'm really pleased that something like this actually did win for a change. Mm. Matt, do you think there's a, a, an argument that it might be everybody's second favourite, but everybody's got a complete different first favourite, so it gets through on the merit of not mm. being hated almost? Yeah, I mean, when you look at the, the nominees, like this wouldn't have been the bookies' favourite. I think King Richard was a bookies' favourite going into it. Mm-hmm. Um but then you had all you know you had all sorts here that could have won for all variety of reasons, you know. Um, Belfast, you know, I was convinced Belfast would win just because of kind of the critical acclaim that had come out from it, and uh, and then uh, but then you know you could you you could have easily have uh, thought that King Richard would have won as well, and and then Licorice Pizza being that not art house but that kind of wanky film that people like, you know, who enjoy these kind of events. Sorry, Ander. Um, and then, like, and then, like, Power of the Dog, or or even if they mm-hmm. wanted something bombastic, something like West Side Story. I think Coda was a bit left field. Not that there's anything wrong with left field, but I think like it would have been a bit of an anticlimax 
in reality, if you were there, like I think if of all of the things it could have been, it'd be like I don't know. What was that? What was that FA Cup final when it was like Wigan and I do someone it's like it two like really crap teams in the FA Cup final. You just ended Cardiff. up being like a like a yeah, was it like a proper anti climax? Mm. Um, but it's it's one of those things, really. Um, I don't I don't take these the uh, I, I don't they don't mean a lot to me the awards if I'm perfectly honest. So it was by the by. I'm just glad it wasn't mm. June. <laughs> yeah, same, same. <laughs> uh, obviously, the other piece of news that came out was the Will Smith assault. This has led now to numerous production companies pausing on their work with Smith, including Netflix and also Paramount, who've paused the production of Bad Boys 4, which after seeing the last Bad Boys, I'm not too disappointed on them doing that. Um, Smith has now quit the Academy. The Academy have also banned Smith from any of their events for the next 10 years, but they're not going to be taking the gong off him. So two questions. Did the, uh, the Academy handle it correctly? And... How much longer do you think this will actually impact on Smith's career, Matt? Uh, number one, uh, you know, to uh, to allow him to have like sat down, receive an award, and then give a faux apology was was pretty awful. But at the same time, I don't know what you know. Are they going to take him out kicking and screaming like when Eric Bischoff was thrown in a rubbish <laughs> bin by John Cena? Like, mm. are they going to do that? No, they're not. Obviously, they're not. So I don't know what more really they could have done other than like asked him politely to leave. And if he doesn't go, do you create more of a stink that's already what's going on? Do you mm. know what I mean? Um, in terms of impacting his career, no, I don't. I don't think it will because my second Bischoff mention within. Uh, few seconds controversy causes cash or creates cash like it will get blown under the carpet within uh, maybe a year tops when he does a time special or appears on Oprah or does something and, and they'll have an expose about his and his and Jada's relationship and the, the the narrative will be turned around again like no publicity is bad publicity unless you finger a kid Do you know <laughs> what I mean like it's just it's just the way it is in Hollywood. You know what I mean? Like he'll turn yeah. it around because he's he is. If one thing that Will Smith does, he knows how to be a media magnet, and he'll it, mm. he'll get turned around, and then mm. it will be the redemption story. Like yeah. it's it's almost win win for him. I think it is. Yeah, I mean, the Academy and Hollywood in general protects its own, and there is no one more Hollywood than Will Smith. So. I completely agree with everything you said. Stu, anything to add? Are you in a disagreement or do you think that it was right the way it went I mean, down? You talk about fingering kids. I mean, the amount of paedophiles that are, haven't had anything took off them at all, Oscar-wise, and their credits are still there, nothing happens to them. People who take advantage of women, still there. No problem whatsoever there. But a bloke goes up there and, yeah, fair enough. He's assaulted someone on live TV. But he apologised. The guy who he assaulted didn't press charges. End of story. It's mm-hmm. it's it's massive woke bollocks gone mad. I mean, you look at the other... Uh, something similar to what happened here. The, what I was thinking of earlier, the Jarvis Cocker and Michael Jackson thing. He went up there, humiliated him. Did he get banned from the Brits forever? No, of course he did. He got told off. It was a bit of a joke. Everyone was pissed. Move on. That's all that this needed to do. But by doing all this, it's just going to bring more 
Well, I'm not saying it's a more of a redemption story because they're all falling over the cells trying to be who's the most righteous and, oh, we can't have him protecting our brand and mm. all this kind of nonsense. And what's going to happen? Normal people are going to go and watch the next Will Smith film more than anything else. <laughs> so they're going to lose out. And it's mm. it's just complete nonsense as, as per usual, but it's hardly a surprise anymore, is it? Mm. Right, true. Uh, Matt, this one's going to be right up your street. The Crow remake, reboot, reimagining. Uh, it's got a director now, and it has also got its lead actor. So Bill Skarsgård is going to be the titular character, and Rupert Sanders is going to be directing a Zach Bravlin script. So Bravlin, you'll know, uh, he did the script on King Richard. Skarsgård, obviously, Pennywise the clown. Uh, Sanders is a British director known for Snow White and the Huntsman and the English language remake of Ghost in the Shell. I haven't seen either of those, Ooh. so I can't really say much about it. Uh, Stu, what do you think to this one? I like Ghost in the Shell, obviously, other than the um, <laughs> the whitewashing debate. Um, but... I don't know, it was a decent film for using the source material that they had. So I'm more encouraged now knowing that, that it's him and that he's worked on something that was so beloved and adapted it to something else. Um, and for me, it worked. I know a lot of people were pissed off in different ways, but from that to going from anime to live action, this is, well, who really knows what it is? Mm. But he, he has got form with, with doing something with a beloved franchise. So I'm more confident now knowing this part than I was before. But it's the same thing. Do we really need it? No. But it's old, however much we can kind of say it's not, it's old enough now to be brought back. Yeah, that's true. Mass, you're the, I mean, you've said on this podcast several times that you're a big fan of, of the original Crow. Mm-hmm. Are you happy they're remaking it? Should it be left alone? What are your thoughts here? I think that like we need a palate cleanser in what is essentially at least two, if not two and a half, awful attempts at sequels of The Crow. City <laughs> of Angels is bad, but it's good because it's bad, whereas the other two following that are just, are just downright awful. I think with the right, you know, especially now with the Batman, if tonally it was anywhere near like that, it could be excellent. It could really, really be fantastic. They went down a darker route and uh, as they did with the Batman. So, yeah, I'm, I'm always going to look forward to it. I think that from a casting point of view, knowing that Skarsgård was Pennywise, the only thing that makes me think, like, because you, because that, that, that's what you think of him as now for, for, mm. for life. He'll always be Pennywise now. Um, is that, you know, Dr- Eric Draven was always meant to be this kind of cool guitar-wielding, goth sex icon in his world and mm. i'm not i don't i don't know if scar's got to pull that off <laughs> um but you know we, we wait to see but no i'm definitely definitely looking forward to it mm, yeah same um the lung-tated bg's project has finally nailed its director originally kenneth branner was due to direct but because of belfast he found his free time at a premium for obvious reasons. So they've got John Carney who steps in. Uh, Carney is best known for Once and Sing Street, which are two Irish independent musical films. Huge fan of both of those movies. They are absolutely excellent. Matt, are you a Bee Gees fan, first off? 
Uh, I wouldn't go as far as to say I'm a fan. However, I wouldn't turn them off if Spotify somehow put it onto mm. my algorithm. Um, where, the more disco stuff of theirs that I do really enjoy because I really like disco um, in general. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely fine with the BJs. Would you be interested in a biopic? I don't know a lot about their story, to be perfectly honest, but is this no, something... I def- I, I'd watch um, any kind of musical biopic. I'm probably going to watch anyway. This one especially. like This would be a cinema one for me. Do you know what I mean? Um, mm. Like El- Elvis will be a the Elvis one will be a day one. Yeah, this might same, be a week. This will be a week one. Mm. Stu, I get the impression you probably love a bit of the uh, the Brothers Gib. <laughs> Obviously, of course. Um, <laughs> it's which way is this going to go? Is it going to be more Bohemian Rhapsody or is it going to be more? <laughs> is it going to be more Rocket Man? I mean, who who knows at this point? Um, but yeah, same. I mean, it's a very, it's almost tragic. I don't know how how deep they're going to go into it, and how deep is the love? Um, <laughs> I was convinced you were going to about to start reading off song titles. As soon as tragic came out yeah. of my mouth, I was like, hold on. That wasn't I, I, that, that wasn't intended whatsoever. <laughs> it's just it's BGs are within within us all, obviously. Um, yeah, <laughs> so there's a there's a darker tale there than people realise. So. I'd be interested which way they go with it, really, because it's mm. if you kind of you're putting a Bee Gees biopic up there, you, people are going to expect the disco and the the happiness and the the fun times rather than a bit of Bruno Noir. So yeah, yeah. interesting. Mm. Uh, finally, a bit of sad news: Walter Bruce Willis is calling time on his acting career, making his on-screen debut forty years ago. Uh, originally, as a background artist in The Verdict. Willis went on to score major roles in Moonlight, in Die Hard, Pulp Fiction, Friends, The Sixth Sense, The Expendables, and of course, the whole franchise of Die Hard that just went on and on. Um, all before a lean spell or so over the last decade of director DVD, which has left Willis the butt of many a joke. Sadly, Willis has been given a diagnosis of aphasia, which is a disorder that inhibits language expression and comprehension. So there's a lot of negative stories out there about Bruce Willis. And I would fully recommend the podcast Haleywood to anyone. It's a brilliant story about the maniacal Hollywood superstar. It doesn't feel right to discuss those right now. So Bruce Willis, favourite film, which isn't Die Hard, because Die Hard's probably everybody's favourite, isn't it? Let's be honest. So, Stu, what's your favourite non-Die Hard Willis performance or film? This is actually really hard to do <laughs> so they're all like this there's, there's diehard up there is obviously on its own and diehard too on its own pedestal of excellence but then i'd probably say unbreakable i love unbreakable i think it's a proper underrated film more than sixth sense more than armageddon again more than um fifth element and yeah and probably since as well uh, it probably is. It probably is Unbreakable. Unbreakable is the one that I've probably seen more of, and I've seen more times just because I love that film. Mm. Matt, what's your favourite non-Die Hard? It was um, it was un- Unbreakable as well, just because that that like just really hits for my youth. That film, it really like mm. there's something about it that just was just so. I, I just look back on the films of like the nineties that. 
and then then with everything with Split and Glass as well, because I really enjoyed Split. Mm. I don't know, like I, I think I think no pun intended. Split, you know, the opinion of the of the uh, of the general public, but I really enjoyed it and Glass. To be fair, um, and so for him to be part of that legacy um, just adds to how good Unbreakable was. That however many years on 20, 15, 20 years on that project can mm. then be come back to because of you know the the legacy of the film. Yeah, um, Unbreakable. I'd got us an honourable mention because I think that Six Sense always gets lauded, and and um, mm. Six Sense is a great film. Can't can't knock it, but I do think un, um, Unbreakable is a real underrated gem. But the one for me is uh, Pulp Fiction. Like I'm a big fan of Tarantino anyway, and Pulp Fiction. I think is just a like it's one of the masterpieces of the 1990s, and I feel like the 90s probably isn't the greatest decade of cinema, but mm. Pulp, Pulp Fiction is right up there. Uh, I think I think with that it's more the Bruce Willis's performance in Pulp Fiction. I think he's overshadowed by other mm. people in Pulp Fiction, which I think mm. Pulp Fiction is a better film than Unbreakable. But from a Bruce Willis point of view, I I, I would say that if you're talking performance alone, then that's why Unbreakable mm. tops it for me. Yeah, that's why I don't mention it as well. Exactly that's the same. Fair. I think when the, the dust has settled on um, on Willis's career, we'll go. We'll do one of his on a picture pod. I really want you both to watch a film called um, I think it's Color of Night. I think it is. It's fucking bonkers. It's a proper mad, so bad it's good film. I think you'll both love it. So I think we'll revisit one uh, maybe later in the summer. We'll do a Willis film in, in tribute to his career. So that is all of the news done. Matthew, have we had any listener questions in? We have. We have indeed. So, kicking it straight off with uh, Mr. Dolan. Ash Dolan, is the TV licence an outdated process? Should there be a new method in place? If so, what? So, before Stu goes... I know Stu's going to have passionate feelings about the TV <laughs> licence. So, Andy, talk to, talk to me about the TV licence. You know, a lot of... You know, the BBC doesn't get any ad revenue per se, um, and it does pump out a lot of good drama content and stuff like that. But are you getting enough bang for your book out of you, the TV license, do you think? Probably not. I don't really watch a lot of BBC stuff, to be perfectly honest. But if I'm ever going to watch any British produced anything, it's going to be something off BBC. I do think BBC is the best of a very bad bunch. Um, but I do think there needs to be a broadcaster out there who is not funded by commercials, because obviously if you have commercial interests, you're not able to give a proper unbiased, balanced opinion on something. And I know there's a lot of arguments about the left wing and the right wing and is the BBC the mouthpiece for the government or should they hold them to accountability? But I think the one good thing about the BBC's balanced reporting is the fact that people on the right wing think it's left wing propaganda. The people Mm. on the left wing think it's right wing propaganda. So actually, it's probably just about doing its job right. And I do think there needs to be something like that. I do like the fact that you can have an independent voice or as close to independent as you can get with something like BBC Two, which does put a lot of odd shit out there that you probably wouldn't find on commercial TV because no one's going to be watching some kind of Slovakian film at 3am on a Tuesday night. I like the fact that it does have that more than just commercial interests. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, well put. Uh, Stu, from your point of view, um, and like, you know, do you do you use it to its full capacity? You know, I play uh, any of the radio stations, that kind of stuff. So with that in mind, what you know, what's your view on the TV licence? I've gone kind of backwards and forwards with it. Um, I think that you know, everything Andy said is spot on because <laughs> it is unique. And it has got respect worldwide. And you have got BBC Worldwide as well, which I presume has got adverts because who else would they fund that? Mm. Um, But, and BBC America as well. But there's so much bollocks on there as well that half of it could be just shelved. Just got got half of it away because who watches this shit? There's a lot of things there that don't make for... must be people in the thousands at most in the middle of the day. This is the whole let's wait till the old people die thing again because <laughs> a lot of it is just made for them to watch in the daytime when they're sitting in the chair because they can't do anything else. And yeah, they did a lot of a lot of good educational things, but there's so many... I mean, you only have to look in... I mean, it's all out there for everyone to look at anyway. You look at where the the money actually goes, and there's middle management, and it's all the NHS where it's all there's so there's more managers than people who actually do proper things, mm. and it's like everything else in this this kind of messed up country where it's a great idea, it could be incredible, but it's so kind of pulled back down to earth by unnecessary nonsense and bollocks that it's ruined, and you end up with a situation where when what. What do I watch on BBC? Match of the day every week. Is that worth? I mean, I'd pay five quid a month anyway to watch B- to watch Match of the Day, Doctor Who, uh, the BBC dramas that they put out because they're always pretty much always excellent. And maybe WM and Five Live sometimes, but for me, that's it. But for other people, that'll be the complete opposite things. They will watch. Country file and all this kind of weird stuff, and mm. you'll, no one else is going to sit there in a field filming a, a bush and talk about it for weeks on end because no one, the audience is not there. But so, if, from that point of view, it does obviously it's a public service, as is in the title. But it could be half the price and half of this stuff just gone because no one needs it. I mean, they do do things like the Slovakian films that Andy watches at three o'clock. They're there for for certain kind of people. (laughs) But you've got to remember, things like 24 premiered on BBC Two. No one else picked that up. So they do take risks sometimes. I mean, yeah, that was a long time ago, but even so, when things are good and they take risks and it comes off, yeah, it might get bought out by Sky or or Channel 4 or whatever later. Obviously, the Bake Off got bought out by Channel 4, but in theory, it's a good thing, but it needs seriously looking at. And halving the price. Fair. I think that's fair. I think, like, you know, A, do you want Premier League football on ITV? No, you don't. And B, when it comes down to what, like, any football coverage, everyone always says about how the BBC is better. I don't care what anybody says. That, you know, they're telly, they, they, you know, they'll have boxing on, they'll have um, tennis on. They do, uh, like, I think when you look at what the BBC actually gives you as a product, overall in terms of how much of the market and how much of the people it reaches i think i think it's one of those things where there's a there's a lot worse that we spend our taxpayers money on than you know 
the the BBC and and, mm. and the licence yeah. personally. There's a lot worse that should be under a lot more scrutiny than than the than the licence fee personally. But that's that, that's my take on it. Um. So Matt Cunnington, who in your opinion is the most overrated director? Andy, Tim Burton. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just fucking Fair. awful. Just terrible. Shit. Shit. <laughs> um, oh. Tim Burton's the obvious one, ain't he? <laughs> he's beloved for four films that were a long time ago now. And it's hard to even argue with this, which I don't like. <laughs> <laughs> Rather than... I'm, off the top of my head, I'm gonna to have to bow down to it. Uh, yeah, overrated wise, yeah, because I don't. Half of his films are absolutely dire. Mm. Where does M Night Shyamalan fall into this category for you? I, I don't think I, I don't think he's rated anymore, so I don't yeah, think he counts. That's, yeah, that's it. That, that's a fair point. Yeah. Um, Andrew Wright with an absolute corker. Which party from a film would you happily pay the cost of a fixed penalty notice in order to attend? <laughs> nice. Hmm. The one in Hangover. <laughs> I was I was absolutely adamant you were going to pick the one from um oh Christ, what was that awful, really early Nick Cage film we watched? Um Oh yeah. fucking hell. Calif oh, not California Girls. What was it? Shoe the one you loved that was Dyer. Valley Girl. Valley, Valley Girl, that's girl, it. Yeah, the party <laughs> from Valley Girl. That was just a haze party there, that that one. No. So you can go hang around in a toilet. In the bathroom in, in the steaming up the the uh, the frosty glass. <laughs> Christ, yeah, that, that was the one. Uh, for me, I would go for a house party. I want to be at the party from Super Bad. I, I thought that, that as well. Yeah, that should yeah, be great right, fun. Thought... Yeah. Yeah, it would. Yeah, that would be one for me. Or the only if, if we had to go like event, probably the one from Ace Ventura where he like hops over the shark tank. Mm, yeah, brilliant. Um, David Evans, directors who come out and say Marvel is ruining cinema. If they truly believe this, should they be discouraging casting actors who are already prominent in the MCU in their projects to show how being part of Marvel should limit their careers. Um, what do you think to that kind of half question, half statement? Should, you know, if, if Marvel is as bad as people say it is, why are MCU actors being cast in other things? Um, take MCU out of it and use Garfield, for example, with Tick, Tick, Boom. Mm. You know, I know he wasn't Garfield. I know Garfield existed before Spider-Man existed, but, you know, is there a point there, actually? You know, is this a bit of hypocrisy from from the baiting masses about Marvel ruining cinema? Uh, I think there's a, an element of like star theory, though, isn't that? If someone's been in a Marvel film, you will want them in your movie just because they've got that element of name recognition. And it's not like good actors haven't done bad films. Like Michael Caine always would joke about the house that Jaws 4 built. <laughs> like He did that just because he got paid for it. So, no, I, I think... Actors should be in charge of their careers and directors should be in charge of their movies and never the twain shall meet sort of thing. A director's not going to tell an actor what they should and shouldn't be doing, you know, because it may impact on their career. That's their choice to, to make or not make, as uh, it may be. Stu, any comments on that? It's always directors who've never done a Marvel film, eh? <laughs> and 
there's probably there's reasons for that. If if they don't fit the Marvel brief and they don't want to do what they're told, which is to be honest, that's the way it is. Why do they care? Why do they why do they care that they can't they can't play the game? If they if they they don't like Marvel films, then why why get so worked up about it? True. On True. the other point of view, if they really want to do it, then surely they'd be doing the the absolute must and the, the most in their in their kind of oh, what should I say? The most in their their will of yeah, their power, their their wit, their skill set to put themselves forward and say, "Oh yeah, I want to do Ant Man four or whatever nonsense that comes up next." But it, it seems a bit so grapes with a lot of I these th- things. I think there's an element of Marvel changing the way studios work. I think it's more to do with the studio structure than it is to do with the on-screen side of things. So. Like Marvel, are quite Marvel and DC films have been both quite notorious for being uh, quite restrictive to what their directors do within the confines of the world, which is why you've seen the likes of Scorsese go to make films on Netflix, which would never have happened, you know, five, ten, fifteen years ago. So I think that's the problem that directors are having, what creatives are having with Marvel is because the success that they've had is at the expense of creativity. Uh, last question then from um, Tara if you had to choose a film franchise to get rid of what would it be and why Stu wave that magic wand uh, hmm. to get rid of <sighs> this is probably something like Twilight because I don't care and it, w- it wouldn't affect me. It wouldn't affect me in the slightest, and it would piss a lot of people off. So, <laughs> yeah, Twilight. Fair. Andy? Oh, I'm, I'm torn because I, I would like to get rid of everything that Zack Snyder's done in the DC universe and, and start again. But if we got rid of Harry Potter, we'd probably get rid of Twilight as well. So I think I'd get rid of Harry Potter because I don't think it's really given us many great movies. Sorry, Matt. What an absolute shambles that actually. <laughs> I, I think I'd get rid of Harry Potter. Sorry. What an absolute <laughs> shambles. Never mind. Never mind. We can't all be right all the time, Andy. I respect your opinion <laughs> massively, but we can't, you know, we can't hit a home run every pitch. You know what I mean? Uh, thank you very much for your questions, everybody. Answer uh, them we shall on the Twitter. And um, if you have anything interesting that you want answering, let us know. And ask a friend as well. It would be really, really helpful if we can get some um, some new eyes and ears on the podcast. Uh, get a friend to ask a question as well. If you would be ever so kind, that would be grateful. Lovely. Thank you very much. Uh, hot take corner then. So does watching a film in a cinema colour your opinion of the movie? Um, there is a theory about watching a film, depending on which side of the cinema you're on, you may watch a movie with a more emotional brain, or you may watch it looking at the more technical aspects of it. Is that true? Does seeing a comedy with a, a full audience make the comedy funnier to you? Because you're more than likely to laugh, where if you're on your own, you weren't going to. A scare is bigger because there's an audience there. Matt, how does watching a film in a cinema affect you? Oh, see, I, I never understood the question like that. So this is this is um, more interesting, actually. Um, I I would say having 
people around me lessens the the the, the desired effect of a film. If I'm being honest with you, um, mm. I love the technical side of it. So I love seeing a screen on a massive screen, crisp as fuck audio, and it being that immersive experience. But when I'm hearing other people laughing, potentially at things I don't find funny. Or I'm hearing people jumping and making a scene at a scary bit in a film th- that I saw does pull me out of that immersion a little bit. I want my cake and eat it when it comes to the cinema. I want to be in the cinema, but I want to be on my own. Essentially, mm-hmm. um, I think I, I, I think the the negative side is more comedy than than in scary films, for example, because you know I, there might be something that I just you know, humour is, of course, really subjective, so there'll be something really silly, like something on Rick and Morty that I watched last night that I laughed hard at and Sam was completely silent at. Now, if loads of people were doing that in a cinema and I didn't laugh, I'd be thinking to myself, oh, what, what have I missed here? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, like, am I enjoying this as much as I thought I was kind of thing? So, yeah, I think watching it in a cinema definitely definitely has gives it a different experience for me in terms of my enjoyment. Not necessarily in a bad way, but I think... If there's like, like, I know for a fact that I'd rather watch a Marvel film three weeks later than on the day because <laughs> I'll just be annoyed about everybody else's reaction to it. Mm. And that pretty much, you know, that sums it up for me. Yeah. Stu, what do you think? Generally, it doesn't bother me at all if I watch it in the cinema or I watch it at home, but things like that where. The way people reacted to Spider-Man, obviously we didn't have a whooping and a hollering screening, thank God. Um, it wasn't far off, though. No, but yeah, but... Uh, that was just you, Stu. Yeah, exactly, but uh, it was it was relevant to the, the funny parts and the kind of mm-hmm. moments where we all kind of had the same thing. No one was jumping up and down like twats, was they? So that kind of... That'll be a memory of watching that film, so when I watch that again, whenever that is, I'll probably remember that. But at the same time, like we talked about it, like we, when I watched Coda last year, I watched that on my own. Like I do most films I watch on my own anyway. Even even when we go to the cinema, I watch them on my own because I go in the daytime <laughs> or at night because who wants to go and watch these things? Um, I can see why it would have an effect, but for me personally... It doesn't bother me at all. The only time it would is if you get people messing about and ruining the experience for you, but that's not really the film, is it? That's the kind of thing altogether. Um, mm. if, if that then plays into when you watch it again or you kind of have these, you associate it with a bad time, like you and the babies and stuff, then <laughs> maybe, but not for me. For me, it doesn't really matter at all. Mm. Uh, last week I went to see Sonic 2 um, and it was like 8 o'clock on a Thursday night the last showing of the day and I thought okay there'll be, there'll be kids but there won't be any young kids because it's late and they'll be getting out after 10 so it won't be too bad got to the cinema I saw a family in there and there was like this little like I'm assuming 3, 4 year old kid running around in the foyer being an annoying little cunt so I text you, Stu, and said, right, I'm going to use your card to block out this seat because I know these are going to be in our screening. <laughs> and actually, when, when I got to the till, because Katie was buying some popcorn, I just said to the, the person serving, can we just change our seats, actually? Because I thought, I, I don't want to be near them. 
And it turns <laughs> out they would have been sat right next to us. And this little kid was running around up and down the stairs throughout the whole film. I managed to sort of block him out because he was behind me and it's quite a loud film for most of it. So it was okay. That's the problem I often have with a film is that I'm constantly there thinking about other people ruining the experience for me. Much like Matt, I want to see a film. I, I don't, I'd like to be in a cinema. I want to be there on my own though, because I want to watch a film on the biggest screen possible to really enjoy it. And other people just always take that away from me. And that's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> like as soon as it gets to the point where they've got rid of, or they give you the choice between watching a new film at home or a new film in the cinema. I probably wouldn't go to the cinema because I won't have to then deal with other people potentially spoiling my enjoyment of a movie. But we have got to say how utterly cursed you are with these things as well. How, it seems no, it, doesn't it? No one else has these kind of problems. It almost, what, every other time at this at this rate. <laughs> it, it does seem to be quite a, a regular occurrence, doesn't it? It's ridiculous. It's, it's you and, and my sister. Who's, she seems to be the one, like, she's had things where they'll, um, <laughs> she went to one and, uh, what is it that that screen X nonsense? And yeah. <laughs> they were showing they were showing a different film on the side of the wall rather than they were supposed <laughs> to be in the three parts. So she obviously <laughs> went to, went and complained when they were doing the building work and the, the um, then put the soundproofing in. You could hear the film in the next in the next <laughs> screen through the wall, and she was watching something like really quiet and really like proper thoughtful and it just mm. completely ruined it. So every every it's almost like every other time she goes she has to go and complain about something at the end as well. Whereas me, hardly ever. I'd say ninety nine percent of the time I have no issues whatsoever. Maybe I'm just kind of that passive and I don't care and I'm so engrossed in the film I don't notice these things. But some people mm. do seem to attract these kind of fiends more than others. Yeah. I seem to, I don't know if I'm just like quite highly attuned to noises around me. So we, we could probably be in the same screen. You won't notice a thing and I'll be ready to murder somebody. <laughs> I, I get that's probably the way it's going to work. <laughs> uh, so we'll move on to the non-film question, which is you this week, Stu. Yeah, so I know it, this is kind of, the worst possible question coming from me of all people, but <laughs> when you look at that that picture of Bieber that came out after the Oscars week, and you think, well, you obviously just look ridiculous, don't you? And that that outfit is probably what four times too big for him, mm-hmm. and it's probably worth about what twenty grand. And you think, well, what is the point in this nonsense? What is the point in high fashion? Because it's other than to show off, nothing ever looks good anyway, ever. Nothing ever looks good. It's always overpriced. And obviously, other than to make money, but surely you're putting your name to something that's a bit mental and ridiculous. I mean, why would you do it? So what is the point of high fashion? It's it's a good question. So like for context, that, that picture that you're talking about, it's a... Uh... Justin Bieber is wearing what looks like a four-year-old wearing his dad's suit and a pair of Doc Martins. Like, it looks so oversized and ridiculous and ugly. Like, you don't look at him and think, oh, fuck, I'd love a suit like that. You just don't. Whereas if you see someone go to, uh, uh, you know, on the, the red carpet and they're wearing, like, a well-fitting suit, you think, okay, 
I could buy one of those myself. Like you look at that and you can see something about it. But when you see the ones who do these big, flashy, over the top, you see dresses where like, I don't know, a woman might be made up to look like a peacock or something. <laughs> and it's so far out of the realms of possibility. You just think, well, you're not going to see someone walking this, down the street or you're not going to see someone in a bar wearing something like that. So I, I don't understand it. I mean, maybe it gets people's eyes onto, I, I don't know who made that suit, for example, but if it was Gucci, for example, maybe you would then look at Gucci stuff. So it's just an advertisement for the company. But mm. at no point would I ever look at that and think that's, you know, high fashion. That's what everyone should be looking like. That makes me think that anyone who shops here is probably a twat. Yeah. Well, I would say that, but good old Robert Pattinson wore an oversized suit mm. for the Batman, um, for the Batman premiere and oversized suits are sadly in at the minute. Um, that being said, I mean, I'm not the best person to comment on this because it took me about 10 years after they became fashionable for me to own anything remotely close to a pair of chinos. And I don't own them now. I just own a pair of chino shorts because I'm allowed to wear them at work or at least before the dress code stopped being a thing. Um, so I, 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 high fashion and me, I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not close to low fashion. I don't, I, I'm not part of fashion. <laughs> Um, so it means really nothing from that point of view. But in terms of like w the point of it, I guess, um, to stay relevant, to stay people talking about you, you know, people go mad for this red carpet stuff. And I do think that outside of the four walls of this podcast and and the stuff that I enjoy, that I really enjoy, there's a, there's a whole world out of there of stuff that I, I just don't understand and massive <laughs> things that I just don't get. Mm. And I'll just put it down to one of these things that like, it's never going to, you know, if this was a Venn diagram, we're never going to be in the same, you know, we're never going to touch. So let people have their weird stuff. I'll let them people, be, let me have my weird stuff and we'll all just, we'll all just uh, die happy together. Mm, that's fair. <laughs> uh, so next question is, what have you been watching lately? Stu. Well, since you mentioned it first, we'll, we'll talk about it. Sonic 2. Just wonderful. Again. It's it's quite shocking how a character that's been kind of widely ridiculed for the last 20 odd years for mediocre games when hmm. <laughs> has suddenly from nowhere turned into the after what we talked about with the original Sonic as well was that a massive marketing point where they deliberately messed up his character design so it had to be redesigned within six months and they managed to do it. And who cares really now? But after all that, I don't think anyone expected it to be any good at all. Mm. And the fact that it, it, was, it was just a sleeper hit, it was a massive hit for everyone of all ages, if they, if they like games or not. So it, it turned into this generation's... Well, Shrek, really. Um, and Sonic 2 is very much much of the same, but with Tails and Knuckles, which is even better. And I, I was, I came out and I was looking for to see if they do the a Knuckles figure to match up with my Sonic and Tails 8-bit models on my um, on the wall there. I just loved it. It was great. Yeah. 
um, other than that, from the, from the fun to the bad, which is the Jimmy Savile documentary on Netflix, <laughs> <laughs> which, I mean, he put his tail in many places where it shouldn't have gone. But I thought it was really, for what it... For us who know the story, I, I think it was kind of, it was well done in the fact that they showed the good, air quote, side of him and what he did, which... Fair play, he did do seem to have done a lot for people. Um, but in the second part, obviously, the demons were there. And it's just absolutely incredible how he got away with it for so long, in plain sight, with so many people knowing, and no one said a thing. Um, yeah, really well made. And the other one, um, the other film, which, again, bring it, bring it back, bring it back to Fun Town, was, um, again, a little Netflix film. Metal Lords, which is... <laughs> have you seen it, Emma? I haven't seen it. I've seen the trailer for it, and it's, it's on mine and Sam's um, watch list when we get five minutes together to, to watch something. I don't know if, like... Uh, it, it, it looks like it should tick all the boxes, but there's something in the back of my mind saying it's going to be a really diluted... Like, it sounds like it's going to be, like, really sweary and everything else, but, like, is it actually too sweet beyond the, beyond the surface would be my concern. It's how I described it was it's high school musical meets the Gifford. <laughs> and is it too sweet? Not really. Not really. It's, it, it's barely sweary, but it gets it. Mm. And I know the director was a metalhead. So it's written from the perspective of someone in that scene. So it's not like. Uh, an interpretation of pe- what people think that the kind of metal world is. It's someone who's lived it in themselves, and you can yeah. tell. I mean, it's he's got absolutely no one that you know other than the cameos, which I'm not going to say, obviously. Um, the soundtrack is ridiculous. <laughs> soundtrack is superb. Um, it may be rivaling Peacemaker for best soundtrack of the year. Oh, wow. Okay. From For what it is. Um, but yeah, it's only Aaron 37. Really, really, really surprisingly good film, Metal Lords on Netflix. Super. Matt, what have you been watching? So I watched the the Jimmy Savile documentary. Um yeah, really, really good. It was like like I'd, I'd said in the Wolves Fan Cash group chat that it was a slow burner. And what <laughs> I meant by that is like you get, you know, the first episode is about the, the good he does with a with a dusting of sinisterness. Then the second episode is obviously then about, you know, the unraveling of how he ended up getting caught and, oh, well, I say getting caught post, post humorously, whatever the word is. Um, yeah, it was, it was really well done. It was really well done. To be fair, there was stuff in there, like, you know, it was a, a massively archive footage documentary, which is, which is absolutely fine that, you know, I don't know how they got their Louis Theroux stuff in there. I don't know if it's like they only use a snippet of it so they're able to, like whatever the law is around that, because, you know, they had Theroux's documentary in there. They had other, you know, other people in there. Um, it was really well done, though. Um, it was never it never felt like sensationalized, though, as a documentary. Mm. It, ne- it didn't feel exploitative either. I, th- I think it was really kind of it approached the subject matter really well. Um, so I watched something that isn't new at all. I hadn't watched it for the for years it's got to be about 15 years or so um i watched the truman show 
um <laughs> i'd been meaning to watch it and me and sam went away we were like we were charity charity shop hopping which is a, a hobby of ours i was just trying to find it on dvd anywhere to watch like in the van on that evening couldn't find it so when i got home i booted up the fire stick and uh, managed to find it and i was like oh this film isn't like anywhere near as funny as i remember it to be um not to say it was a bad film but it it just it really feels more in it with older eyes that it's more of just a, a satire on you know mm. the, the the media world as we know it not like a comedy film whereas when i was younger i used to think it was just an out and out comedy but i really enjoyed it i really enjoyed it i think it was i thought it was excellent like it gets really dark at, at points mm. um but it was it was wonderful yeah i really really um I really had a good time watching it. Um, and I'm going to start, I think I'm going to start Mindhunter again. So I stopped like five episodes in and I've got no idea why. Like I've got no idea why. I just, <laughs> I put it on and it was like play episode six, series one. And I was like, oh, so I've watched five episodes of this. Like I don't know why I stopped. So I want to start it again and hope it was, wasn't because it was terrible. <laughs> All reports say it's a really good series, so it's probably worth it. It's one I kept putting off for some reason. I think I watched, I think I watched the first episode, and for whatever reason, never picked it up again. I wonder. Hold on, let's do this live because I'm I'm around that as well. I I watched the first four or five. Let's see where it says. Let's have a look. Mind hunter. I don't know if this was like a maybe it was a part thing, like it was a one parter or two parts or something. Oh, like, you know, um, yeah, seven episode seven is where I left it. <laughs> Season How one, bizarre, very strange. Yeah, I've got seventeen minutes left of episode one. No, no idea why. No idea why. But it's good though. It's. <laughs> It's a thing. It's, it's it good. seemed fine. I don't remember hating it, but yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Weird. Uh, so I've been watching. I watched. Is it cake? Which I really oh, enjoyed. God in heaven, not you as well. I like a baking oh. show. Oh, I, I, I did I like enjoy a baking it. show, but God, how can you stomach the presenter? See, I quite liked him. I thought the presenter was decent. He. It was very, very American style presented, which I mean, obviously, it's an American show, so yeah, I thought it was good. Which then led me on to watching Baking Impossible, which <laughs> was also fucking great. They were engineers and bakers, and they were bake, yep. baker, baker, engineering or something. I don't fucking I've know. seen it. I've seen it. Was it. Great. it that, that is better, to be fair, yeah, because that's closer to Bake Off, yeah. Well, I didn't realise that it was the guy who was the, the the Northern Irish guy who seemed to be the one who sort of made it up. He was on the Bake Off. I don't, yeah, I yeah, didn't yeah. remember him at first, yeah. but seeing the picture now, yeah, it came to mind. I, I, I really enjoyed Baking Impossible. I thought that was a better show myself. Um, the Bubble I watched, it was oh. okay. I mean, I only really watched it because Pedro was in it. Um had it been about half an hour shorter, I think it'd been really good. But they it hit a point, and I was like, "I'm I'm done now." Like I'm, I feel really like it's dragging it out badly. Um, it, it was funny enough, but I think if they'd have ended it earlier, I'd have been much happier. Well, I um, think that I think that says it all. That I watched that as well on the, on the first day it came out, and I completely mm. forgot about it. <laughs> 
yeah, it just it just wasn't funny enough, and I feel like the extended time on it took away from what good was actually in there. Uh, I watched Human Resources, which is about the monster creatures from Big Mouth. So your hormone monster, the depression cat and stuff like that. It's their work life. And it could just have ended up being a really silly monster mayhem comedy. But it ended up having like some really heartbreaking, touching moments. I mean, if you look on Twitter, if you type in um, Human Resources, it autofills to episode nine. Because everybody's talking about episode nine. It's fucking devastating. Really well done. And if you're a fan of Big Myth, I think you'll enjoy human resources. Um, Sonic 2, Steve already mentioned, great fun. I mean, for them to have got away with it on the first film, because that should have been shit, and it was great. And really, the sequel should have been shit, but again, it was fantastic. Um, I'm a little bit worried about the third film, but... That includes spoilers as to why, so we'll leave that for another podcast, mm. I think. Yeah. Um, and I watched a film called The Cellar on Shudder purely because um, Elisha Cuthbert was in it. Or is it Alicia Cuthbert? I never know how you pronounce it. And she just doesn't look like her. Because all in my <laughs> head, I'm, I'm picturing Kim Bower from like 20 years ago. And obviously that's not who she is anymore. Uh, it was okay. It was standard fare. Silly bollocks. I wouldn't recommend it, though, I don't think. If if there's something else you'd rather watch horror-wise, go for that. It, it wasn't good enough to to waste an evening, I don't think, sadly. Uh, so to our individual questions, Stu, you're up first, please. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I forgot what I said then. Um, <laughs> yeah, this came because... <laughs> When Matt even said, is there any context to this question? And there's not really. <laughs> um, more the fact that I was, it was just one of these things where I was looking at kids' TV shows that have been remade and made shitly. Like, you know, you've got Postman Pat's all, it's like, now he's got helicopters and stuff, and it's all CG, and it's not stop motion. They've done it with Inspector Gadget as well. But I thought, okay, I, like, I used to like Inspector Gadget really lot, quite a lot. So I gave it a go, and I thought, there's something quite troubling about this man. Because he's in charge of his, his niece. And yeah, how human is he really? Because in the film, he's just a head, I think. If he's a cyborg, is this acceptable? And is it troubling? Because And why is no one talking about it? <laughs> I, are we are we worried from like a Skynet point of view? There's many reasons to be worried. Is he a deviant? Who knows? Because he's got that big. He's got a deviant's coat on. Who knows what else? What else he can extend? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He absolutely does have a flasher coat on. To he be does. Fair. Yeah. He, he does seem like a, a, a bit of a diddler. Let's be brutal <laughs> about it. Like it is really strange that he. Like I, because you put you'd mentioned this uh, last week. I went and watched a couple episodes on YouTube because I haven't seen it since I was a child. I haven't seen the films either, so I don't know if he's got this weird relationship with a child in it as well. Um, but it, it certainly is like quite worrying to watch that he he seems to get himself into trouble, and the only way out of it is by her helping him off the trouble. And I don't get it. It's really bizarre and. Like, even from a completely innocent point of view, it doesn't seem to be a very good story of, 
old little like grown ups don't know what they're doing, so the kids <laughs> have to help help them out. It's a really bizarre show, and I don't know how it was as popular as it was back in the eighties. Maybe we we just didn't realise because we were all too innocent at the time. Mm, I mean, Matthew Broderick is Inspector Gadget for me. I never watched any like cartoon of Inspector Gadget or anything like that, and I know like there's been a reboot since, but I've like I've never been that big big a Broderick fan either. So Inspector no. Gadget like doesn't tick any boxes for me at all. Like I know you've got like all the technological stuff and it could be quite fun. Um, but it's it's never you know, I think if you're looking to make an arrest in Hollywood <laughs> you could you know, I don't wanna put us down the the route of libel, but you could look no further. So shit, you might be onto something there, pal. It it's not right. There's something not right about the whole thing. I, I didn't even know they'd remade this. I'm just looking at it now on uh, IMDb. It looks like the most Windows Millennium Edition a- animation I have ever seen. It looks absolutely appalling. Mm. And it's only like, it's less than 10 years old. It's 2015. And Tara Strong was one of the voices. I love Tara Strong. Christ. Inspector Gadget 2026. I think we're getting a film in a few years' time as well. Oh, fucking hell. Mm, interesting. Uh, my question's up next. Um, of everything that is currently available, what is the best order to watch Star Wars in? So you can just give me the films in whatever order. You can give me films and TV. Skip. Whatever you want to do, just how would you watch the Star Wars run, Stu? This is really, really odd because my sister-in-law actually texted me about a month ago about this because her husband had never seen it. Again, baffling. Um, And she said that she'd seen the original trilogy and Phantom Menace, and that's all she'd seen. So, obviously, spoilers, um, if you don't know who Darth Vader is, (laughs) then I think... You probably have to do it the in release order, but I think with with the way it is now and with the amount of stuff there is, it makes perfect sense to do it in numbered order: one, two, three, solo, rogue one, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I think you just and I, I, that's the way I did it last time before nine came out, and it made a lot of sense. They did, for however much they fucked up a lot of things in that series, with the prequels and The Last Jedi, obviously, um, it does flow quite well when you binge it like that. If you want to throw Clone Wars and all that stuff in as well, then obviously you just, you do you do it as and when it fits in the timeline. Um, but yeah, I think nowadays, if you're watching it now, it makes a lot more sense just to do it in numbered order. Mm, that's fair. Matt, how would you cut the uh, show? Yeah, thing is, I am a sucker for chronology, so I do like things to be just in the order. But I think, like, you know, when when the original trilogy, and I mean that original in our time, came out, you know, there was no concept of this canon of 20 years later, do you know what I mean, or 30 years later or anything else. So watching it in that order, like, does what does watching our you know the new hope trilogy when it comes to that 
in the rest in relation to the films does it feel dead weak in content in comparison to all of like the canon and everything else all the in jokes all the nostalgia when you smack those films in the middle of a nine film arc Mm. do you know what i mean just do they feel like do they feel like the rocky fives of the piece because they're they're not fleshed out anymore or anything like that i don't know like i see nothing wrong in oddly in just the way it's all been released up to this point like Mm -hmm. i think that's the way to watch it the only thing i would consider is i would consider um the mandalorian and the book of boba fett in that bit of the chronological order because after the with the whole book of boba fett and the pit of sarlacc stuff i had such a grin on my face seeing all of that stuff and 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 i think Mm. to, to have that world straight away would be really really good if you if I could have watched Jedi and then gone straight into the Mandalorian and and the book above a fit, I would have really enjoyed that. I think. Mm, yeah, that makes sense. I think the only reason I didn't say, didn't say that was because it's not finished yet. Mm, true. I think yeah. Rebels is over, so Rebels you could count Rebels as for where that fits slightly a bit later on. Um, but yeah, I think she could you could if you really wanted to you could put the. Um, Jedi Fallen Order game in there after Clone Wars as well. If you wanted to go really deep into it, mm. um, but again, that's not a finished story yet. I think that that's that's really the problem with all this now because it's never going to end. Mm, ongoing still, isn't it? Yeah, mm, that's fair. The order I would go in, I would go with Episode Four, so A New Hope. Then I'd go with um, Empire Strikes Back. I would then go back and watch um, Sith, so episode three. Then after three, go to Rogue One. So you watch those two like they're a flashback of how we got to the point where we are, the rise of Vader, and we found out. We've just found out in the film before that he's Luke's father. I would completely ignore one and two because nothing of any relevance happens in either of either of those films. So what's the point? I would then watch episode six. And then just watch The Mandalorian. Because I don't feel that episodes 7 and 9 are really good enough to make me want to sit through episode 8, which is the best of those three. So I think I'd just skip them, to be perfectly honest. And I think you can get the best story if you just condense it to that. Because everything that came in episodes 1 and 2 were pointless and mostly irrelevant. And 7 to 9 didn't really add anything to an excellent story that was told. And as you say, Matt, I, I want to then do Mandalorian and Boba Fett just because that firstly ties directly into six and you get the Sarlacc pit stuff, which was fucking so cool to see. Yeah, and then I really just was. carry on with Mandalorian, just add infinitum because we just want him on our TV as much as we can. So that's the route I would take. What I'm loving about um, TikTok at the moment, my algorithm is a really strange things of Elgar, um, Elden Ring... Girls that belong on OnlyFans and then memes. That's basically my TikTok at the moment. And um, and the meme side of my algorithm is pretty much all just Obi-Wan flipping in and going, well, hello there. Just over, just over and over and over again. I haven't seen that one. That's class. It's it's become like meme worthy now with him just going, well, hello there. And then like, like, like groups of like young blokes will pick up their mates like on its side and they'll have their arms and legs flailing and they'll go, General Kenobi. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a supplemental question then because 
TikTok, I suppose, is a new form of media. Ask men who are in their 30s to 40s at this point, should we really be as invested in watching TikTok as we are, Matt? I think it's fine because throughout the ages, we've always had TikTok. It's just not been called TikTok. Mm. You've had YouTube, you've had Vine, you've had other formats of like instant 10 to 30 second medias um, that's just funny. And yeah, I've got no, I've got no problem with it. I think when you start to become like, uh, I don't know, buying things like, you, you know, you know, like there's targeted adverts and you like, it's become like TikTok shop and stuff like that now that's when mm. it becomes a bit of an issue in terms of like people buying things off them and like if you start getting involved in the crazies off there like i've seen like loads of girls at work have like the bottles that people are going mad for because it's gone viral on tiktok i think as like grown ass men when you get into that territory it's a little bit more troubling yeah but, you know what passes the time better than like a continuous loop of different 30 second silly videos mm. you know there's, there's nothing wrong with that for me tiktok is the new toilet book it's the new thing. I'm going for a shit. I'll just scroll through a few videos rather than read a few pages of like Cole Pilkington's uh, books. They were perfect toilet books because yeah. you could read a couple of pages, have a giggle, carry on with the rest of your day. That's what TikTok sort of feels like now. Stu, are you much of the TikTok world? I, I don't think we've really discussed it before. The only time I I'll go on there is when you like, all send me stuff. Which is I me, mean, <laughs> Goldie sends me like two or three of them a day, and then you put some in, and then Ash finds some, and I wouldn't go through scrolling through just for the sake of it because I mean the only time I've done that a few times is where I always seem to get like massive titted women jumping around, which is obviously <laughs> not never never a bad thing, but well, I think it's one of these that it kind of has passed me by. That I, I don't, I know I've got obviously got an account with it, but I'm never going to make a video uh, at this point. I, I've got I had a few ideas, but I thought just no, it's not going to happen, is it? No one wants to see. <laughs> you don't want to go full dazzling, Dave. So I think. Oh god, I want to see these videos that you've got in the, the back of your mind. No, no one needs to see what's <laughs> in the back of my mind. Um, but there's hmm. I said that. What was it? Being, was it Vimeo? But no, yeah, was no, Vimeo I mean, one. Yeah, Vimeo was one, and Vine, yeah. and yeah, it's, it's a, they're all like a kind of the evolution of what used to be the um, send you send videos over Bluetooth in the early mm. days of phones, where you'd find someone with their Bluetooth on and you'd send them something in the pub, and that was that was probably illegal. But we all, <laughs> we all used to do it in the union and stuff, and you'd look at people opening it, and there would be some someone like shitting all over people or whatever it was it, 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 product of its time um people still do that now but you call it airdropping i think yeah exactly. and i don't mean the shitting i mean the actual sending of the, <laughs> the files yeah it's it's just another way of doing it eh? so yeah it, it is what it is but it's i think even for me i'm i'm too old for that grave fair enough uh, Matt, your question, please. So I've just finished listening to From the Oat House on um, on Audible, which is Alan Partridge's podcast. Ironically, it's not a podcast. It's in a book format, which I think is mm. part of the point because he doesn't understand what a podcast is. Um, but it's very, very, very funny. 
Like, it, like if you like Alan Partridge anyway, you're going to love it. But if you don't like Alan Partridge, it's just like the ramblings of like an old man who's trying to produce a podcast, basically. It's so funny, though. Christ. It, like, it, 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 producing and editing a podcast aside, like, there's elements of that that I find really funny. And there's elements of like why, like, he, 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 he asks for questions on Twitter and the responses he gets and stuff like that. It's excellent. It's really, really excellent. So if you can find it um, without having to spend your hard-earned money on it, go for it. If you, it is worth an audible. No, it's not even an audible credit though, because if you're an audible member, it's part of Audible Plus, so you can just listen mm. to it without spending a credit as well, which is even better. But to take me back to my question, if you could have any character, fictional character, release their own podcast, who would it be and why? Stu Hall. I mean, this was my first thought was Borat, because yes. <laughs> yeah, because you've got to think there was a lot of because I was thinking of like comedy characters like Van Wilder and stuff like this, but a lot of it's not going to translate to audio, is it? You need someone who works from a non-visual point of view, and obviously there's a lot a lot of radio influence in Borat and Bruno and a lot of Sasha Baron Cohen's characters. So mm-hmm. I think from that point of view. Borat and Bruno would be incredible. If you went down the other way and you had someone like a character from the past, like 20 years later, what are they doing now? If you're thinking what kind of character would have their own podcast and moaning about the glory days, it'd be stiffler, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That'd be fair. Mm. Andy, what about yourself? Um, see, I, I like a sort of a a true crime kind of a, a podcast. So I like Serial for me. I loved it. It was brilliant. So I was thinking we could go with Deputy Dewey from Scream. <laughs> and it could be from his point of view of them oh, trying at least to scre- catch... at least Scream and not a scary movie. <laughs> oh, God, Jeff. God, no, then, no. Yeah, from, from the Scream universe. So, yeah, we'll get David Arquette in to retell the story of the first, I think just the first three films. Don't need any more. I'd love that. I'd be properly engrossed in it. If we was going to go to something comedy, I would probably want the guys from um, This Is Spinal Tap, I think would be great. Do a tour diary with them, I think would be fantastic. Yeah. And they've got like proper comedy chops anyway, so I think that Dave McKean and, and Christopher Guest would be perfect for that world in a legit sense as well. Yeah, yeah. I think you're right. You know, that's that's... <laughs> That's so weird because the whole one of the characters in the Dexter reboot, kind of re re well mm. yeah it's a reboot it's, it carries on, is a obviously a podcaster in the kind of TV podcaster vein, not in the mm. uh, Christmas film version of a podcaster. Um, <laughs> yeah, and Alyssa, but yeah, she's um, she's a, a true crime podcaster who's in, who's talks about actual things that have happened in the past and obviously the, the Bay Harbour Butcher is one of the subjects on one of her podcasts and obviously she's there with Dexter Morgan and he's in there in as well in the same building as her so that kind of, that's kind of exactly what you're talking about Deputy Dewey with his own story it's worked into that already they've already done this actually okay cool because I was going to say you could have like Ray Stance from Ghostbusters Oh, that'd be quite cool, but then you did have podcast the kid who was in the the last film, so mm. you've already got that sort of thing. But those would be mine anyway. What were yours, Matt? 
so it would be a really short run, but I'd really like to see the help help the self help podcast of the dude. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. From the big from the big Lebowski, like, but you're right to, to really make a, an actual success of it. So not just a wish list, but actually a success of a podcast. You need more than just like a one film character, really, or at least people that come from the the comedy world. So. Yeah, I'd have the dude. I'd have the dude definitely for sure. I think, uh, who would I have? Who would I have? I, again, like I'd, I'd like to see like a, you know maybe like Simpsons characters as as a podcast, mm. like talking about like um, doing like a talk is Jericho style thing with Kent Brockman, but with the characters <laughs> of the Simpsons like talking through it like that like give us backstory about their careers in character, stuff like that. You know, I'd, I want to hear about what Snake has been banged up for over time or how Monty Burns came into his fortune, you know, those, those kind of things. I think that, and, and then you've got comedic actors who can, you know, who would be doing this kind of stuff for a living anyway. Yeah, that that would be absolutely brilliant, actually. I'd properly be up for that. Superb. Okay, so we'll have a quick quiz and then we'll call it a day. Um the review this week that I found that we couldn't use. Um, Captain Scribe said of Sinister, It could have been good, but during the entire thing, my eyes hurt. I wasn't tired and the TV was the correct distance from me, but it continued to hurt my eyes, hence the one-star review. Update. Turns out I had conjunctivitis. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. Uh, right, so Stu, we'll start off with you, and you've got a four-star review here. This could have been a five-star movie, yet they lose a star because Daffy Duck is underutilised. It's a 1996 film. <laughs> you think you're going to be Space Jam, then, don't you? Yeah, Space Jam, that's the one. Uh, Matt, 2015 movie. Uh, after watching Shrek before this movie, it wasn't even comparable. I would recommend this movie for Rocky fans, but make sure you watch this before you watch Shrek. 2015. Good film, but not as good as Shrek, apparently. Fucking hell. Um... Good for Rocky fans. Is Wreck-It Ralph? No, it's not. It's due. 2015? Yeah. Is this like a curveball because we're automatically thinking animated and it's just a completely nothing to do with it? Um, Rocky. It's not. Surely not. It probably is, Matt. Go on. What was you going to say? Because I'm gone. It's not. It's not. It's not Creed, is it? It was Creed. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking hell. You you know like you've got to make sure you've watched that before you watch Shrek because no film will ever be any good again. No, no, <laughs> definitely not. Yeah, Stu took my six and eight year olds to see this. They were crying and scared all night. Now they think Iron Man is going to stab them with a sword when they're sleeping. Two thousand and sixteen. Iron Man with a sword. What was in 16? Oh, um, Age of Ultron. Nope. Matt? Run the quote by me again. Took my six and eight-year-olds to see this. They were crying and scared all night. 
No, they think Iron Man is going to stab them with a sword when they are sleeping. So, superhero film, 2016. Scary-ish. For kids, anyway. Oh, God. I'll pass. No idea. It was Deadpool. Oh, Deadpool. Bloody Mm. hell. Matthew, your question. It's hard to believe that a hotel of this size in Colorado would close in the winter. Think of all the skiing business. 1980. The Shining. It's The Shining, yeah. Stu, dark and disturbing. I watched this with my eight-year-old granddaughter. It started out hopeful that it was going to be good, then it kept getting darker, and then the nude animals entered the movie. 2016 as well. (laughs) Nude Nude animals. animals. (sighs) This is a film you like as well. That that don't narrow it down, does (laughs) it? No, not really. (laughs) Nude Animals 2016. God knows. Pass. Any clue, Matt? Not the Jungle Book. No, it's not. I nearly did the Jungle Book one. Uh, it's actually Zootopia. Fuck. Too obvious. Zootopia gets nasty towards the end. It does, but I mean, I wouldn't say it was dark and disturbing, to be honest. Oh, you, know, you know that bit, of the, that bit in the, when they start when they figure it out and then they're in the yeah. cages. That, I mean, I, I remember being in the cinema, well, it would have been Ethan at the time, and he was only, what, four or five. <laughs> and uh, he was looking over like, I don't like this. <laughs> <laughs> Bless him. Matt for the win. This film is too unrealistic. There is no evidence that dinosaurs existed. There may be some bones, but they are easy enough to fake. 2015. Oh, so he's... Uh, well, he's presumably he's Jurassic Park Fallen Kingdom. It's not Fallen Kingdom. Stu? Fuck. That's a sequel, isn't it? What's it Jurassic, called? Jurassic World. It's Jurassic World. Stu steals it at the death. Took from the snatched defeat from the jaws of victory. He did. You know what? I saw a, a great take on, on Twitter at the weekend um, that Jurassic Park is someone's twilight, but they love it that much. Oh, God. I, and, I suppose, it, yeah, it would be for some, but. But I thought about it. I thought, well, actually. Since I don't like, I've never seen Twilight, and I'm going to try and get away with this for as long as possible. I went to, I went to see if we could book Dominion today. Couldn't do it, not yet. But I'll be there day when I love them films. Apart from even even the Lost World is not as bad as you remember it. It's not good, but it's not it's not as bad as you remember it. And even even the third with William H Macy, they're just. I don't think I've seen any of the original sequels. I wasn't a massive fan of the original anyway, to be honest, so that never bothered me. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it was okay, but I I didn't love it. I've never really been a massive Spielberg fan generally. Um, The first one of the new run was fine. The second one wasn't. 
like the, the like Matt said earlier, this is something I'll probably wait a few weeks until there's nobody in the audience and then go and see it. It's not high on my list personally. Is it a day one for you then, Matt? It's a day one. It's an unlimited screening for me. This is I'm hella looking forward to it. Mm. I mean to be fair, it's just an excuse to look at Bryce Dallas Hayward, isn't it? Let's be honest. Ooh, wee. Yeah, it is. <laughs> he's, he's he's so soulless. He don't even like dinosaurs. And this is the the kind of person we're dealing with here. No, I, I do like dinosaurs. I just didn't really care for Jurassic Park. In fairness, I think if I watched it now, I'd probably enjoy it more. But like, what was it? Ninety three was it the original? Yeah. Ten year old me didn't really give a shit to be honest. So yeah. Ten ten year old me was was crying. I couldn't I couldn't wait to go. And. You know what? I've I bought the um I bought the three D Blu Ray of the first one. Mm. It is ridiculous how good that film is. Oh well, obviously they've had to touch it up for the three D aspect of it, um, mm. but it could easily pass as a modern day film. Easily. You know, I might have to re-add it to my uh, watch list just because it's been so long. Just to give it another chance because it might be something that I do really like. Then well, that just wasn't it. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna do it one, like one a week now because then it'll kind of build up to when then the last one comes out. So mm, we've got, we've got plenty of time. Yeah, I think I'll join you on that. I'm making a note of it now to add it to my list. Yeah, I think that's a, a decent idea there. Right. Okay. So that's this one done. Next week we'll be doing a picture pod, which is going to be the trust from 2016 which is Elijah Wood starring alongside Nicholas, um, both with the most amazing moustaches you've ever seen. It looks like Trent Seven and Tyler Bate reincarnated. So uh, double check what's going on on justwatch.com to find out where it's streaming near you. Uh, Please make sure you've got us on whatever podcatcher you listen to and that you're following us on the socials at CageFightingPod. Any email, so if you've got any questions that you need answering, or if you've got an idea for a quiz that we can do at the end of the show, send them our way to cagefightingpod at gmail.com. And for this week, Matt, would you like to say goodbye? Take it easy, everybody. Look after yourselves. Stay safe and vigorously apply suntan lotion if going out into the sun. Stu, would you like to say goodbye? Life will find a way. Goodbye. It's goodbye from me and remember, be excellent to each other.